back to When God Was Queer. I'm your host, Dakota St. Clair, and I'm joined by my two fabulous co-hosts. Hi, I'm Vince. I'm Daphne. And today, we're... <laughs> Son of a bitch. Today, we are doing the M4 episode in anticipation of our Persephone episode. Ooh. And this M4 episode is brought to you by popular demand, because today we are doing a deep dive on the Eleusinian Mysteries. Yes. Woo! <laughs> Excellent. So literally popular you, demand. Literally. literally popular demand. Um, yes. Half of which is Vince. But, you know, a lot of you That's also okay. reached out <laughs> yeah. and were like, hey, what the fuck? So I promised you we'd go into it. We are fucking doing it. So let's dive <laughs> right in. So uh, one of the things that you may not know, even if you're familiar to some extent with the Eleusinian Mysteries, you know, yeah, it's this like, it's the most well-known sort of mysteries and rites of ancient Greece. Uh, we know that it involved Demeter and Persephone. Um, even I wasn't aware that uh, they they get their name, Eleusinian, because it's based in a place called Eleusis. And Eleusis was a neighboring city to Athens. So the Eleusinian mysteries were basically the most famous of the ancient religious rites of ancient Greece. And their basis was an ancient pre-Hellenic agrarian cult. There is significant evidence that the basis for the mysteries is rooted in the religious practices of Mycenaean Greece. Uh, it was a major festival during the Hellenic era and later spread to Rome. Interestingly, there are also parallels to these rites seen in the ancient Near East and specifically Minoan Crete. Ooh. The mysteries were based in Eleusis, which was located 14 miles northwest of Athens. This place was so important to the Greeks that until the arrival of the Romans, the sacred way, which was the path from Athens to Eleusis, was the only actual paved road in all of central Greece. Wow. Oh. Mm -hmm. It was important. Oh. <laughs> Very important. Yeah, that's really... <laughs> they really had to get there, yeah. So it's important to remember that the Eleusinian mysteries and their narrative are based pretty much entirely on the Homeric hymn to Demeter. The central document, the sacred scripture, which founded the mysteries, is drawn from line 415 of the hymn. Quote, this was the day of Persephone's return at the very beginning of bountiful springtime. There are several iterations of the myth of the abduction of Persephone and the origin of winter, and we're going to cover them in our main episode. Essentially, though, the ascent of Persephone back to the earth is seen as a rebirth and is symbolic of the rebirth of all plant life and the eternity of the cycle of life, death, and rebirth. There is evidence that dedicants were offered assurances that they would have a greater afterlife once they had initiated into the mysteries. Other deities who played a major role in the mysteries included Triptolemus, the one with the dragon chariot that gave everybody agriculture. Yeah. Pluton, remember Pluton from Hades episode. Um, Eubulius, who was a supposed son of Demeter, um, but may have just been a aspect of another god. And Eletheia. Eletheia, if you remember, is the goddess of childbirth, who mm -hmm. is kind of like good Judy's with Hera. 
Now, another major figure, of course, is Despina. When it comes to the Eleusinian Mysteries, we can mostly understand, though, that Despina is the precursor to Persephone. So Despina was definitely an epithet of Persephone, okay? But she also had her own cult as well. So there's a lot of stuff about, is she an aspect of Persephone? Is she not? What's the deal? Is she a separate goddess? She's a separate goddess in that she's a precursor who paved the way for Persephone and then got absorbed by Persephone. Hmm. Right. She was yeah. also an alternate name for Persephone because as we're going to cover several times, Persephone had just as much fear attached to her name in ancient Greece as Hades did. Ooh, and a lot yeah. of folks don't know that. So the mysteries, let's get into them. The mysteries were held twice a year. Some scholars have argued that the Eleusinian mysteries were a continuation of an older cult. Uh, possible candidates include, like we said, uh, the cult of Demeter from Mycenaean Greece, which was thought to be entirely secret, and or the How can Minoan... you be entirely secret? I mean, somebody has to know, right? You... <laughs> no, there's no Think phone. about it like private. <laughs> as Just the to only... Secret. So the only people... Are, you have to be in it to know that it exists. Members only, basically. Yeah. yeah. Just no, there's no... Uh, yeah, they don't do any ads. <laughs> Right, not like doing the, recruitment ads. You just have, and, and you it could be that the temples are there. You're just not allowed in. Right, you know what I mean. And that was commonplace. I mean, there were certain um, deities where if you were a priest of another deity, you couldn't go in that temple. Well, that's fair. I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. So the other option, by the way, uh, aside from Mycenaean, and this is an and or because both could be contributing, or one could be the sole origin uh, from the Minoan cults. Demeter would be a continuation of the poppy goddess of Crete. And remember, poppy is her sacred flower. Right. Yeah, because isn't Minoan Crete, they're, like, kind of freaky, right? Like, they, like, mixed a lot of the Mediterranean, like, and th that Near East stuff, I feel like. They're kind of like Mycenaean, where, like, everything was very different than the Hellenic, and also a lot of it's still very mysterious. Like, we don't know right. who the Minoan okay. snake goddess is. There's tons of candidates, but we don't really know, you know? Um, fun fact, I once found a taxidermied rat that was made into this Minoan snake goddess, which if Whoa. you don't know what she looks like, she's got this sort of like conical dress, really like huge bulging eyes and her arms are up and she's holding snakes in her hands. Yeah. And so imagine a rat <laughs> taxidermied to be her. That's amazing. Like, That's I almost bought it. It was $400 yeah. though. That's yeah. It's so a lot, lot, but pretty awesome. <laughs> that is so much. <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> now, the the myth, of course, that we're talking about is, of course, again, the abduction of Persephone and the origin of winter. The myth was represented in the actual mysteries in three parts. The descent, which represented loss, the search, and then the ascent. Now, the ascent, or the coming back to the surface by Persephone, was where the majority of the ritual focus was placed. Okay, and as well as her reunion with Demeter. Now, in terms of participants, anyone could participate in the Eleusinian Mysteries as long as they met three criteria. They had to not be a barbarian, which meant they spoke Greek. <laughs> they were... <laughs> oh, God. Well, the origin of the word barbarian is literally means non-Greek. Yeah, that's um, like incredible. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. I um, thought it was... Yeah, okay. Which is also the origin of the name Barbara. Huh. It just means like non-Greek woman. <laughs> so they had to, you had to speak Greek. 
you had to be free of blood guilt, meaning that you never committed murder, <laughs> and you had to take a vow of secrecy. Uh, everybody come out to my show on Saturday. It's uh, Blood Guilt. We're playing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> blood Guilt. That's incredible. We're free, playing free, uh, uh, our hit guilt. song, Sins of the Father. Yeah! Uh, <laughs> so good! It's gonna be metal. <laughs> <laughs> now, initiates, like I said, you, anybody could get in. So initiates could come from, of course, any gender, any social standing, even slaves were allowed to initiate into the Eleusinian Mysteries, which kind of furthers Demeter and Persephone as the goddesses of the commoner. Mm. And but they also, had to be Greek. They had to be they Greek, They had to though? speak Greek. Ooh. Or just... Oh, you they just had have to speak Greek. So you just have to speak Greek. Okay. So the Eleusinian Mysteries are some of the most, ah, like, whoa. profound examples that we have that we have of freedom from the social order of Hellenic Greek. Yeah. Where all of that could be suspended during the rites. That's Mm -hmm. cool. We have to, this one's short, so we had to keep going, but I want the audience to know that I'm very excited about what I just heard. (laughs) (laughs) They know. (laughs) So the participants basically fell into four categories. There were the priests, priestesses, and hierophants. There were the initiates who were undergoing the ceremony for the first time. The participants who had previously undergone initiation and those who had attained epopteia, which means contemplation, and learned the secrets of the greater mysteries of Demeter, but Hmm. were not a priest, priestess, or hierophant. Hmm. Okay. Now, speaking of the priesthood, you had the hierophant, uh, or hierophantes, which was the high priest of the mysteries. You had the high priestess of Demeter, and she's the high priestess of the mysteries. These two roles were of equal rank, and the person who inherited this office had to be a member of the Philiadae or Eumolpidae families. Hmm. There was like two families whose lineage was like keeping the rites going, and so the people who were the high priest and high priestess had to be drawn from them. Hmm. The high priestess would play the roles of Demeter and Persephone during the mysteries, also, they not only were of equal rank to the male priest, they were considered by most people more important because the records at Eleusis were dated using the name of the incumbent high priestess. Oh, that's cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Next, you have the Dudokos, which were the men who served as torchbearers. They were second in command to the high priest. Of course, you had the Dudukasa, which was the um, same thing. It was the ones who served as second in command to the high priestess. They had to hail from the same families as well. Hmm. Then you had the Hierophantides, which are two married priestesses, one of whom served Demeter and the other of whom served Persephone. And last, you had the Panagias or the Melissae. Panagias means the holy. The Melissae is the bees. Now, I want to talk about the bees for a second because this is a group of priestesses who lived totally cloistered away from all men. Okay? Sidebar, we're going to talk about the Melissae more in a future episode because they were not exclusive to the the Eleusinian Mysteries, nor were they exclusive to the cult of Demeter or Persephone. They had a much bigger role in the cult of Artemis, where devotees were known as Melissae, bees, or Arctoi, bears. 
And there's a lot of really strong evidence uh-huh. that if you were a Melisse, you were femme. And if you were a yeah. bear, you yeah. were butch. Wow. <laughs> and you were living your life men free, bitch. I would be there. I, in yeah, I was going to say, this Love place it. sounds great. I'm going here. Yeah. Okay. Bears and bees. <laughs> So, the mysteries themselves were actually divided into the lesser mysteries and the greater mysteries. The lesser mysteries were described by historian Thomas Taylor like this, quote, The dramatic shows of the lesser mysteries occultly signified the miseries of the soul while in subjection to the body. So, those of the greater obscurely intimated by mystic and splendid visions, the felicity of the soul, both here and hereafter, when purified from the defilements of a material nature and constantly elevated to the realities of intellectual slash spiritual vision. Whoa, that's sick. So, basically, once you get out of your meat sack, it's going to be bliss if you do the right shit, right? According to Plato, he described it as, quote, the ultimate design of the mysteries was to lead us back to the principles from which we descended, a perfect enjoyment of intellectual and spiritual good. Hmm. The lesser mysteries took place in the eighth month of the Attic calendar, called Anthesteria, falling somewhere around our February and March. To qualify as an initiate, one would need to sacrifice a piglet to Demeter and Persephone and then ritually bathe in the river Elysos. Once one had undergone the minor mysteries, they were called mystai, M-Y-S-T-A-I, and were then worthy of undergoing the greater mysteries. Sidebar, we have a really fucking rad book in my store right now called Mystai, the same name, M-Y-S-T-A-I, which is entirely about the ecstatic worship of Dionysus through dance. And it's really fucking rad. It sounds awesome. It's, it's also oddly shaped and kind of like a coffee table book, but it's got really oh, good information. Gonna, in it. Come get it. Yeah, I, I want <laughs> Then we have the greater mysteries. The greater mysteries took place in the third month of the Attic calendar called Boadromion, falling somewhere around our September and October, and it lasted for 10 days. So I'm going to take you through them. The rites began on the 14th of Boadromion when the sacred objects from Eleusis were brought to the Eleusinion, which was the temple built at the base of the Acropolis in Athens. On the 15th occurred the Agirmos, the gathering, during which the priests declared the opening of the rites and carried out the first sacrifice. On the 16th, the initiates would ritually purify themselves in the sea at Phaleron. On the 17th, the Epidoria began. This was a festival in honor of Asclepios, Apollo's son and the god of medicine, and his daughter Hygieia, the goddess of health and cleanliness, who we get hygiene from. This involved a procession, a great sacrifice, and an all-night feast. On the 18th, a procession began from the Karamikos, which was the Athenian cemetery, to Eleusis along the sacred way. The people attending would swing branches called bakoi and shout obscenities in honor of Balbo and Ayambe. Remember them? Yep. Yeah. The floating torsos. <laughs> the floating torsos. That's kind of freaky. Yeah. Honestly. That's awesome. Once the procession reached Eleusis, there was an overnight vigil commemorating Demeter's search for Persephone. Initiates partook of Kaikaeon a special drink brewed from pennyroyal or mint and barley which scholars believed may have had a psychotropic effect but we'll get into that later on this is a fun party 
Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> well, I'll just touch on it now. The psychotropic effect would have been because they feel like there's really good evidence that there was ergot and the barley. And if you're not aware, ergot is a fungal disease of rye and other cereal grains mm. in which black elongated fruiting bodies grow in the ears of the cereal. And basically this is... <laughs> What happens, uh, and then basically you make bread that lets you talk to the devil. <laughs> it's, oh. Yeah, it's wow. it's credited with a lot of shit. Like the dancing plagues get credited to Urgut. Like a lot of shit gets credited to Urgut. So the, here's the thing is why they think this was it. Evidence of Urgut was found in a temple dedicated to the two Eleusinian goddesses in vases, in Amphora. Amphora sode. Amphora sode. Mm -hmm. And in the mm -hmm. teeth of human remains. It's like we said the title of the movie in the movie. Mm -hmm. But do we know if they were doing it on purpose? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is it intentional or accidental then? There's a lot of evidence that it was intentional because you could find yeah. it on certain grains and then you would specifically like make yeah. things out of that grain and have like really terrible edibles. Just let it go bad and then, yeah. Yeah. That's wow. I mean, that is kind of just that all is, drugs that's anyway. That's party hard, yo. That's yeah. crazy. On the 19th, initiates entered a great hall called the Telesterion. These names are sick. Yeah, they are. <laughs> At its center was the palace, reserved only for the hierophants or high priests, and this is where the sacred objects were stored. Before an initiate entered the Telesterion, they would say, quote, I have fasted, I have drunk the Kaikeon, I have taken from the Kiste, which means box, after working it, have it back in the Kalithus, which means open box. Now, I should stop here and just say that there is a chest and I believe a basket that were both involved in the rites that the sacred objects were inside of them. Mm -hmm. And part of initiating was that you got to see them and something was done with them and we don't know what the objects were and we don't know oh. what they did with them. Mm. Okay. Interesting. So this basically is, you're pronouncing, I have fasted, because part of it was a three-day fast. I have drunk the Kekaeon, so you didn't eat for three days, and then you drank the hallucinogen. You, you, you drank the, the, the hallucinogen. Yeah. For maximum right. efficiency. Right. And I've taken from the box, and I've put things back in the open box, is basically yeah. what you would say. The rites of the Telesterion occurred in three phases, which were known collectively as the Uporita, the Unrepeatables. And the penalty for revealing them was death. And it was absolute. Woo. First was the Dromina, the things done. This was a dramatic reenactment of the Demeter and Persephone myth. Next was the Dicnomina, the things shown. The sacred objects were displayed by the Hierophant. And last was the Legomina, the things said. The narrative period during the Dicnomina. So sorry, the Dicnomina and the Legomina went together the objects mm -hmm. were shown, and there was a narrative given by the Hierophant. Oh. Do they have, like, rehearsal? Like, this was how? done twice a year, and a lot so of... So they just have been doing it for a long time. You probably learned Yeah. From... I mean, the from... thing is, is that we look at these really complex rituals, or what seems complex to us, and we're like, well, how did they not, like, mess it up? It's... There's a reason that there's the Ritus Greca, which is like the Greek way of doing things, and the Ritus Romana, which is like the Roman way of doing things. So your entire job as a priest in Rome was to literally spend all of your time getting everything perfect. Right. 
because every time that you fucked up, you had to add more on to the end of the ritual. More stuff, yeah. Kind of like when you have too many snow days in school and then you end up with like all these summer days. So you were supposed to not have that happen to Mm -hmm. have efficiency and also keep the gods happy, right? It's a little looser in Greece because uh, there's not a lot of evidence that there were like full-time clergy. Um, You know, most of them like had other things going on. But basically, it would be your responsibility as the only one who can go into these holy places, the only one who knows all the rituals and all the rites. I'm assuming they would have dress rehearsals leading up to it. Yeah, you would think so, because it is like a performance. I mean, even if it's not performative, it is like, obviously, it's like they're doing a whole reenactment with narrative and stuff. Well, a lot of sacred rituals are just religious theater. I mean, you know, it it doesn't make sense. I mean, I don't see the difference. Yeah. No. That's important. Theater is super important for the same reasons. So after the unrepeatables, we come to the end. We have the climax for the mysteries, which, shocker, is still a mystery. God damn it. (laughs) Considering the penalty for revealing its contents was death, we can understand that. There are two modern theories held by scholars as to the climax. So it's time for Choose Your Own Adventure! (laughs) Option one, the priests conveyed visions of the Holy Night and built a fire that represented life after death and various sacred objects were revealed. Option two, initiates drank probably a copious amount of the Kaikeon and would go on a sort of hallucinogenic journey guided by the priests based on the descent, the search, and the ascent. I just want to do that. I don't even care. That doesn't even sound like the right one, but I like that one. No, that definitely sounds like the right one. It's the right one for us. Like, that should happen. (laughs) That sounds sick. Why not por qué no los dos? Why not... Why That's the thing. There are people who theorize that it's know. both. It's just basically yeah. there's a separate theory having to do with the like hallucinogenics because basically there's like one school of thought that says like no they never did that. There's a whole other school of thought that's like bro there was ergot like in people's teeth. Yes they did. Yeah, so, I mean uh-huh. it seems like they definitely did. That seems a little like off script to me compared to how much everything else is so meticulous and like organized. That seems like a guided right. trip is like kind of like loosey goosey so it doesn't seem it doesn't strike me as i don't know but it definitely sounds fun yeah i don't know it seems kind of like everything else they've done so far is so meticulous take you to more rituals (laughs) well yeah i just meant like a guided like hallucinogenic trip is i don't know seems very different to me that's the climax of a lot of rituals in a lot of yeah. different traditions. Yeah, yeah, I mean, of course. I, I guess that makes sense. Even but. if it's just like a completely sober guided meditation, it's like yeah. a, it is kind of the climax. Yeah. Well, then. Yeah, I think also like the kind of psychoactivity was probably not what psychoactivity we have in the stuff that we use. That's right. Tr- that's absolutely true. Too. And I like think about because I think about like soma from yeah. like ancient uh, India, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, it's just, like, I think it's just, like, mashed up poppy milk and, right. like, weed. Right. It's, it's, like, weed, poppy, and milk. Which yeah. is, like, you know, might you have, it'll be a little bit of, like, a mood booster today. But, like, <laughs> that was some serious <laughs> shit back then, you know? It was some know? serious shit back then. They That's were, totally they were true. You're right. It in, the, in the kitchen. You also um, have to remember, <laughs> like, how things affected people back then, too. Like, they didn't regularly have tons of caffeine. You know, they didn't regularly have yeah. tons of sugar. Like, yeah, so things could affect you. Yeah. Well, they also they also didn't eat for three days before, so. Exactly. Yeah, pro- That's, yeah. like, you're, just that alone would put you in a, like, a you state. Know, trance state. Yeah. I feel like that. I feel like it, yeah. 
I feel like it. I feel like they do. It would make sense to me if that last thing was like, uh, we're gonna show you this stuff and, and then trip balls and or and what as we're revealing the stuff to you that that drink that you drank is about to settle Kick right in, on it. Yeah. Um, and then we're yeah. gonna tell you some stuff. Yeah, you're gonna walk out of here. And then you and you're experience know some stuff, it, but you're yeah. not gonna know why you do some stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, so why are they the... called? Oh, sorry. sorry. No, I was ahead. just gonna say. So, so why are they called mysteries? I mean, I get, They're I guess, I get that it's different than a cult. A cult was public, right? And there were even private cults, but they weren't the same way as a mystery where you're sworn to secrecy. If you break that vow, the gotcha. punishment is death. Like, yeah. that's what makes it a mystery. It's not like you're just gotcha. part of a belief system, or yeah, like a cult or a religion. It's just like a, a proto secret society, but super religious. totally. Yeah. But but that but they called them mysteries, right? That's cool. That is cool. So following the climax, there was an overnight feast full of joy and dancing. The dances themselves took place in the Rarian field, which was thought to be the first place that grain ever grew. Later in the oh. night, there was a bull sacrifice. The following day, the 22nd, initiates venerated the dead by pouring libations and making offerings. And the 23rd was the final day of the mysteries. However, we have no evidence for how they drew to a close. Huh. I mean, we're not in the mystery, so we can't yeah. know. Yeah. I feel like that's fair. So, in 170 AD, the Temple of Demeter was sacked and then rebuilt by Marcus Aurelius. However, the cult of Demeter and the mysteries were overtaken by the rise of Christianity. There was a major attempt at reviving the pre-Christian religion of Rome by Emperor Julian, who also attempted to restore the Eleusinian mysteries and was the last emperor ever to be initiated into them. The Roman Emperor Theodosius I, fuck him, remember him from the Vestal Virgins? Yeah. Yeah. He basically shut down the pre-Christian religion around yeah. 391 AD. And surprise, shit surprise, got. shit got sacked by the Goths five years later in 396 AD. And yeah, shout to the Goths. Well, they, <laughs> it was World yeah, Goth Day like yesterday, right? <laughs> the Goths destroyed and desecrated the temples and sacred sites. So that's why oh, we have okay. such a hard time figuring stuff out. Not shouts to the Goths. No. <laughs> we take back um, those shout outs. <laughs> yeah, no more shouts for the Goths. Despite the destruction of the Eleusinian <laughs> mysteries, many elements survived among the rustic peoples of the Greek countryside. Demeter's cult persisted among these farmers and shepherds, and this cult was transferred largely to St. Demetrius of Thessaloniki, who became the patron saint of agriculture. Oh. Um, so Maybe the... You really changed the name all that much. Not... No. That's... <laughs> yeah. That's like St. Bridget. Like, oh, wow. Look at I that. I knew someone named Demetrius in elementary school. Oh. That's cool. That's weird. Um, cool, I wanted to just also point out that there were other... Like, the whole entheogenic theory, the hallucinogenic theory, is that ergot was involved, fasting was involved. There's also some evidence that mushrooms may have been involved as well, but we don't know. Let's go... <laughs> so what happened to the Eleusinian mysteries? Is there, I mean, is there any attempt at reconstruction, revival? In fact, there is. There have been many attempts to revive cool. the mysteries. Yes, yeah. The first modern effort to reenact the mysteries on a large scale uh, was by the Aquarian Tabernacle Church in 1985, who Whoa. performed the rites Easter weekend and have done so every year since. Wild. Interesting. But what do they do for the parts we don't know about? They just make it up? 
Well, it depends on if they're a revivalist uh, movement or a reconstructionist movement. Reconstructionist, you leave the gaps. Revivalist, you just you leave try it and out. figure it out by like talking to the goddess. Yeah, yeah. Um, the ATC is a Wiccan church hailing from Washington State. It was founded in 1979, and it's one of the first Wiccan organizations to get full legal recognition by the U.S. and Australian governments and has 29 affiliate churches. The modern oh. mysteries are basically built to honor Demeter and Persephone and explore the universal concepts of truth and engagement in the search for hidden knowledge. Mm. So cool. that, my friends, is our deep dive on the Eleusinian mysteries. That's awesome. That's sick. What I want to be. A I want to be a part of something like that. That like. I mean, whatever. I can be a part of whatever I want to be, ritual-wise. But in terms of something that like repeats like that, that oh, for years. I think that's what's really cool about it, is that it's like yeah. this narrative that is like a living thing, that just you know it comes with the calendar and kind of repeats. And then you get new people in it, and old people will die, and new people come in, and it, but it's the same ritual. Yeah. It's, that the repetition is like super interesting to me. I think that there's definitely a lot of um, pretty obvious uh, connection between something like this and, like, you know, uh, what various churches do for Christmas and for of Easter, course. you know. Yeah. And so it's very interesting to see that that sort of form of ritual has apparently persisted, at least in the West, yeah, for, for sure. thousands and thousands of years, you know. Yeah. But I like that their yeah. story was the story of the underworld. Like that's and like the mother and you know, like it's an interesting that's that's a pretty cool that's a pretty cool one to repeat over and over again. It's interesting. Yeah, on the fringes of both stories, um, I think talking about how Demeter and Persephone kind of start to represent, um, or they may represent uh, like the people, or like being of the people. Um, very much so yeah and like especially for the romans but it's definitely uh there's a lot of subtext for the greeks but it's and having, really explicit for the romans yeah and having like a mystery cult which reminds me of like orphism mm. um in the sense of like dionysus also like from some of the stuff um that i've read about dionysus like his whole uh like one being kind of the foreign traveler and but two being kind of like because of some of his stories uh like a god of like revolution to some degree mm -hmm. uh and also being associated with like the rebirth thing mm. uh and so like if persephone is somehow somewhere his mom in that situation that would be like a cool linking up of like the weird mystery shit that was going on <laughs> and like all the secret society and like having all of this like uh civilia energy um from these, this kind of like mystery cult thing, um, that would just be kind of sick. Well, that that was freaking awesome. Rad. Okay. Well, that was our episode. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope that this answered a lot of your questions on the Eleusinian mysteries and gave you a good jumping off point to learn lots more about them because there's tons more, um, and there's new archaeological evidence popping up every year, and you know there's all kinds of stuff you can always learn. So. Uh, with that, we want to thank you again for joining us, and we will see Ooh. you in our main episode. If you want to get a hold of us, you can shoot us an email to whengodwasqueer at gmail.com. You can hit us up on IG or TikTok at whengodwasqueer, or you can go to anchor.fm slash whengodwasqueer. It's in our show notes to leave us a voice note, and mm -hmm. you'll hear one in our Persephone episode. 
Other yeah. than that, it's time for our cacophony of queerness. So say it like you're in the underworld and you're rising back up. Ready? Be gay. Be gay. Oh, wait. I'm literally rising. I didn't realize you were watching. The gods are always watching. Are always watching. <laughs> like from actually. The microphone know. was above ground and we were below ground. I yeah. see. Uh, yeah. I don't know. M- my microphone All right, was bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>